So, welcome to the Steampunk Heist one-shot. We'll be playing 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons, and you have all created your own level 6 player characters. Why don't we go around the table and uh, find out who everybody will be playing. We'll start with uh, Ro. I'm Ro from Gamers Plane, play-by-post website. I am playing Glint, a rock gnome engineer. Hi, I'm Mike Long. I'm from Tribality. I am going to be playing a half-orc barbarian fighter. I'm Mitch from the Dungeon Master's Block. I am playing Patty Brick Tinselton O'Doyle, a rock gnome artificer. I am Paladin Caleb, occasional guest on DM's Block, and I am playing a changeling bard named William Cooper. Well, that's a, a quick intro for everyone. I'm sure we'll find out a little bit more about each of your characters as we jump into the heist. What we're going to be running today is a heist in a steampunk world, a mid-19th century world like our own, but the history has been altered a little bit by the earlier arrival of steam technology mixed with the return of magic and monsters. As the empires of Europe continue to slice up the world map amongst themselves, each generation has had its own war in some far-off colony. But no empire is stronger than Queen Victoria's Great Britannic Union, or the GBU. Great advances have been made in transportation, medicine, and science, benefiting those who can afford it. But all is not good in the GBU. Workers of the world rise up on both sides of the Atlantic, asking for better wages and working conditions. Protests and riots rage out of control as liberalism rises again after the failed American and French revolutions. Our game today finds us in the former Dutch colony of New Amsterdam, now in the GBU since the end of the Dutch-Anglo trade war nearly a hundred years ago. So we start the game in New Amsterdam. It's become a thriving mercantile um, you know, market, an entry point at one point for Dutch goods moving to the Americas. It's become really the capital, uh, you know, what you call the New World. And even after the British takeover, it's still a place where people come to make their fortunes in both the stock market and, of course, the black market, the seedy underbelly of the uh, island of Manhattan and surrounding boroughs. Its mills and factories are nearly as numerous as those found in London. So why don't we start by finding out where the leader of the crew is. Let's find out what Caleb's uh, PC is up to. Caleb, well, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself and maybe I'll jump in and tell you how bad things are going for you. So William Cooper is an older looking man. Actually, he looks pretty pretty venerable, really. I mean, he's looks like he's probably a man in his 60s or 70s. He looks like a human, pretty dark skinned, hunched over, leans generously on his cane, walks slowly. It's pretty much just a unassuming, older looking man. We find your unassuming older man in a little bit of trouble with people who know he has many more skills than he lets on by his humble, <laughs> unassuming, shuffling around the city. It's late at night in uh, late winter in New Amsterdam. We find ourselves in a red brick meat packing building in Greenwich. You're pretty beat up. You're hanging up by chains in a factory storage room and you're being pummeled by a thug that you know named Arnott. He's a big human thug with brown hair and two gold earrings. Though he's ugly enough to have some work in him in his blood somewhere. No offense to uh, Mike's character. 
He's wearing a, a fancy tweed suit that looked tailored, but now he's down to his shirt sleeve because he's, you know, he's ready to get to work. And he's got a bat that he's been really hitting you with, like he's trying to get some extra practice, uh, you know, for the game of rounders. Uh, he's playing this weekend. Since he hasn't hit you much in the face or drawn blood, you have a feeling, you know, you still might have some use to his boss. Yeah, take this one. Yeah, you still. And he's just, you know, and all, you know. Uh, having to hear his uh, intellectually stimulating uh, banter or whatever, you see, hear a door slide open when in walks his boss, Otto Van Cogstein. And he is a finely dressed human. And on his side is a half-elven female named uh, that you think is named Carmina. Otto is a middle-aged man. He's got a few gray streaks in his hair, long scar down his cheek. And as I mentioned, he's finely dressed. He kind of walks in the door, hands his top hat off to Carmina. You know, what is interesting is since the last time you saw him is he has a, a thick green scarf wrapped around, you know, from the bottom of his nose around his chin and neck. It looks like he's hiding something. And Carmina is a half-elf with dark tan skin and, and hair. She has an eye patch over her right eye. And uh, she comes in out of nowhere with a big punch. It's surprisingly hard for someone with her light build. The two of them both are... Working your ribs a little bit. You know, they're not too worried about beating up on an old man too much when uh, you hear Otto go and finally decide to stop them. You know, right when you're feeling like, uh, you know, you're holding back your tears or whatever. And he's like, you're a foolish thing you can hide from me. You know, we'll be able to find you. He brings a slender blade up to your neck, cutting you just a bit. Laughing and smiling, he pulls the blade away. But we're all friends. He looks at you with a fake smile. I'm working on being a uh, proper gentleman and all that. So uh, do you want me to give you one last chance to get the 50K you owe me from that job instead of killing you here and now? What do you think? Well, yeah, that, uh, that, that seems like a fair enough idea. I think I've, I've been investigating what went wrong in that, in that uh, heist, and I think, that, I think I have a fair idea of how we might, how we might make it work. Heists are always tricky deals. You guys, uh, you know, you run one of the best crews around. I'm having a little trouble finding someone better. So since you guys happen to be the right personnel for a job I have, I'm going to give you and your crew one last chance. As you know, I'm, uh, I'm not afraid to take care of problems. But you also know I don't uh, break business deals, which is something you and your crew haven't learned yet. So you can complete this small task for me, foregoing your... Normal 50% cut. <laughs> you know, being a generous sort, I'll let you and your crew live. Also, I'll need you to, as always, not to ask too many questions. Like, what's in the package? Or who is this for? You know, all those annoying questions that don't get, that just get people into trouble. To put it simple, you do this for free, don't mess up, and you can live out your pathetic lives. Spending your last pennies on Drinking, gambling, and whatever other messes your lot likes. We got a deal? I've, I've never really been much of one for looking into packages, so I don't think that'll be much of a problem. And I think that all of, all of my crew will agree that your terms are, are quite generous. So I, I, think, I think we'll have a good deal here. Well, let's shake on it. And he uh, kind of spits on his hand and uh, shake. he has to lift his arm up and you painfully lift your arm to shake. So... Let me tell you about the job. Moving on. Let's go and uh, meet the other members of your uh, crew. Let's see what, where we find Ro's character. Ro, why don't you uh, tell us about your uh, PC? Glint is a rock gnome. 
He's got nice bright red hair with streaks of kind of like a golden yellow going through it. He's a little scarred up, but not too badly. But the one big thing everyone notices is he's missing the fourth finger on his right hand. Instead, he has a little mechanical contraption in there to replace the finger, but it's awkward and jittery and makes for uh, interesting first handshakes. And where do we find you right now? Where, where are, you, are you sipping pina coladas on a beach or whatever they drank in the uh, middle of the 19th century? No, he, he tends to spend his time in his own little workshop, in his own little room, fiddling around with things that he prefers other people not see. The bad news is that your favorite workshop that you had for years, um, you had to hastily clear it out. So you're working in cramped conditions, you know, not like you used to. You're in some basement of some friend's cousin's aunt's place, but you're able to get by and you hear a knock on the door. It looks like they've, there's nobody knocking. You know who it's going to be. What are you going to do? Glint takes a second and kind of pulls himself together quickly uh, closes up the toolbox that's in front of him that seems to collapse a lot further together than physically it should. Just slides it underneath whatever excuse for a bed he has and then heads over to the door. At the door is a big, large thug with a a couple of gold earrings who's smiling and you notice that he's found a way to get even more gold in his teeth than the last time you saw him. (sighs) Let's go. We found you. Yeah, yeah, I was expecting this. You mind if I just grab my box? No funny business. Not this time. Goes, grabs his uh, little toolkit. Debates reaching in there. You see him grab his hand as a reminder of a previous time that he was tricked by you. Moving on, where do we find uh, Mike's uh, PC? So, I'm Dorg the Bounty Hunter, <laughs> and he is a half-orc. He's got black hair, he's green skin, he's got red eyes. He just wears plain clothes, but he has a lot of weapons. He uh, has two long swords on his back, but he's not very tall for a half-orc. He's about five foot seven. Very stocky, though, very strong. And you can find him usually roaming the streets and checking things out and trying to get word of money. He's always looking for money. And where do we find him today after the job that didn't go so well? The job didn't go so well, so he's probably laying low, probably hiding out with some other low lives. We find you, you know, you got a uh, a no-good half-brother. You know, the, the only thing he's been able to go and do is somehow be able to have a place of his own for once, and you've been hiding out there. You hear a knock on the door, and you know that it's not the time of night when you be getting visitors. Yeah. Is my half-brother there? Nope. Maybe he's coming home and he wants to knock. (laughs) (laughs) Wherever I'm sitting, probably sitting at at a little table with the wooden chair, I'm trying to get up and not make any noise possible. It's like a bill collector. I'm like, oh, no. So I'm slowly getting up, making sure I don't make the chair squeak or make any noise, and I'm going to try to sneak out the back window. As you're getting ready to go and sneak out the back window, you see a large man who's managed to kick the door open with his leg pretty steadily. You're not sure if that's an indication of how strong he is or how weak the door is. Probably a combination of the two. And as you've been turning towards the window, you see a tall, slender, dark-skinned, half-elven woman looking and smiling at you, holding up a gun. She says to you, 
Time to come along, Dorg. Looks like you're the one uh, who's being hunted today. Yeah, I just keep looking at her and looking at the window. I'm picturing going out that window. I just lower my head and... Take the nine stories. Uh, Wait, what level are you again? <laughs> <laughs> Roll falling damage. Ooh. <laughs> Moving on to last but not least. Mitch, what are, where are we finding your PC who's probably feeling the heat coming down as his steampunk texts aren't being returned from his friends? <laughs> <laughs> Patty Brick, Tinselton O'Doyle, is a rock gnome with fiery red hair and a huge red handlebar mustache. He hails from Ireland. He wears a green trench coat and a top hat. And although he definitely does look the part, he absolutely hates it when he gets mistaken for a leprechaun. It just ticks him off royally. Patty has been in Romania for the past uh, couple weeks. He's got a donkey, and he has been working on creating, as an artificer, small memphits that are basically toys they don't do a lot but he has a automaton method called cadbury that is his companion and so he's been running some shady business where he's been going around to rich houses and selling young spoiled teenage boys toy memphits however the only one that ever gets sold is cadbury who is trained to when the people who live in the house leave unlock a window or a door so patty can go in and try and rob them blind it's been decent money so far but he is bored out of his mind because it's almost been too easy and he's missing being able to be out there and run some more professional heists that are more up his alley you know you're feeling pretty good about getting away with the uh the bad job job that went bad (laughs) and you've been running this gig for a while and, you know, you're walking through town. You're walking by a, a guy reading the paper on a park bench. Suddenly sticks his foot out to trip you, and uh, you're not able to can't quite get away with it. And he goes and says, top of the morning to you. That's my line. And you look up, and you see a, <laughs> see he coming, coming through a green scarf. You know, usually I've been uh, letting my uh, thugs take care of collecting your lot. I got the whole gang here. You might as well come with me now. I wouldn't even try catching you. Don't need a pot of gold or anything. I already got my own. Why don't you just come with me and uh, your friends will live. Immediately when Patty is tripped and he falls down and he turns around and sees that it's Otto, he is about ready to just book it. However, when Otto mentions his friends, he halts and he waits and he says, What do you mean my friends will get hurt? The last of your crew needing to be rounded up is you. I need you uh, to run a job. Let's just say you do this job for me and you won't have to do another one again and we'll be all square. How do I know that you're telling the truth that you have my friends and this isn't just some elaborate trick to get me to come with you? Take a look at them here. And he goes and uh, brings out a a stone. He knows uh, it was going to be a tough call with you. He shows the stone and you can see them pretty obvious there's no trickery you see them there sitting around bored at a table looking like they're waiting not prisoners but prisoners kind of you know get the idea yeah. you see <laughs> if, uh, and if you see a couple Otto, they could be in danger is what i'm thinking i kind of hesitate and i i weigh my options and then i give a big sigh and i say 
All right, Otto. Seems like you have the upper hand now. Go ahead. Lead away. No worries. I gotta say, uh, Express Airship. We'll be back in New Amsterdam by, uh, nightfall tomorrow. So we've met everybody now. And that scene that you saw in the stone, whatever magical device that Otto had, they're safe and sound and they're kind of waiting for your arrival. And when you do arrive, you know, they've already had a little bit of chance to uh, prepare a few things and get ready for this job. And the job, from what you've learned on the way over, is a train heist. All of you and a sometimes collaborator, Thadroid Thaddy Coleforge, is a uh, gruff dwarf. You know, he's got the cigar hanging out of his mouth and the goggles. And, you know, he is there too when you arrive. He usually helps you guys out whenever you need a, a pilot. We pick up our story with Otto and Patty meeting up with the rest of the group in a dusty abandoned warehouse, somewhere in the seedy underbelly of New Amsterdam. Otto stands at the front of a makeshift table with the rest of the group surrounding the table. Nice to see uh, all you fellows together again. It's been a while. He's talking through this green scarf. Um, you know, no one has really been able to see what's happened to him since you guys last saw him when, you know, he was only a guy with a scar down his face. <laughs> So something worse has happened, or maybe he's really chilly. I don't know which. But he uh, starts gathering everybody around the, the table for, you know, to kind of outline what this heist is and, and what he wants you guys to do for him. So you already know it's a train job, but as for the details, he goes and starts rolling into them. There's a luxury train that uh, goes between New Amsterdam and Philadelphia once a week. You know, known for its lavish service. It's really popular with the, the you know, the richie riches of the uh, world, especially in the, uh, you know, in, in New Amsterdam. But uh, for us, we know it's uh, also disguised as a uh, reinforced vault that they use to transfer between the two cities for uh, the most important things, secured mail and the package that I'm hoping you can procure for me. Basically, this is a hard job. The train ride is just over 90 miles, so it'll take just over an hour, being one of these fast mag trains that have come out. First one on this side of the Atlantic. Here's the map, and he kind of uh, you know brings out a map. Basically, you could Google map it or whatever, but it's a map that pretty much follows, if anyone knows the eastern United States, pretty much follows uh, I-95. It follows that, and it's pretty much a direct route, and in fact, this train is faster than probably taking an Amtrak or whatever between the two cities in our day. And he goes and outlines that, yeah, it's a fast train, so you're going to have to get the job done quick. The package is uh, stored in the presidential car, which is which was already vault-like to begin with, but it's been modified. Nothing your crew can't beat. You'll need to get this done before you uh, get into the city because the surveillance is pretty tight on either side, as you know, anywhere, as soon as you get within anywhere. I think uh, you guys have had a little bit of time to do some some work, so I'll leave it to each of you to go through. I have uh, some pressing business to attend to. If there's anything you can't figure out, you'll have to ask me later. I'll come uh, by or check or contact one of you before the job. you got to get this done quick. With me chasing down Patty on the other side of the pond there. I don't know if he was, what he was doing there, hunting vampires or what, but I had to chase him all the way to East Europe pretty much, and... Uh, you know, you guys only have a, about a day to prepare. This train's going to leave tomorrow at 9 a.m. Believe me, Otto, as soon as we can be done seeing your face, the better. Right back at you there. 
Uh, he was, he didn't say he didn't call you a leprechaun, but you could tell he was saying it in his head. <laughs> he walks out. As much as uh, a pleasure it is to see a finely dressed man wearing a weird green scarf, you're happy to see him leave. Well, boys, way to go on getting caught. Well, I see you're here too. Only because he was threatening your lives. You keep telling yourself that. Only so much you can do against his enforcers. Why do we keep working with Otto? This always happens. Well, I can't say it's entirely voluntary at this point. I guess some of us are just more unlucky than the others. I suppose it's time to get to work, and then we can be done with this, this terrible business. Well, what, what, do you, what do you have, uh, what have you learned? So Patty pulls out a long blueprint of a train and sets it down onto the table. So this is the train, boys. Uh, it's a Swiss locomotive. Patty's unrolled a blueprint-looking map of a train. It's a collection of cars. It's a small train. It's a passenger train. It's, you know, there's some luggage that's stored underneath the, the, the cars in this case. They're a little bit taller. It's just, you know, different than trains in our world. But there's a standard coach, but to go and call this standard is anything else. I mean, this is a deluxe train. There's chandeliers and velvet and, you know, wallpaper. And it's just, it's a beautiful Victorian 19th century luxury train. Think Oriental Express or, you know, something luxurious like that. Starting from the engine, you have the engine and then, you know, it's a short ride, but I mean, it's a nice ride. And if you got to go from one to the other, you know, you might as well go in style. I mean, this is this isn't quite the era when the Titanic came along. You know, the rich people, when they travel, they want to travel in style. And maybe the people on the standard coaches were more of the type that would be trying to live beyond their means or trying to prove something to someone or whatever else. And lucky enough to get these hard to find tickets. But by the time you get to the deluxe coach uh, and the deluxe open air coach, which is, you know, it's a panoramic crystal glass view or whatever, where you can go and kind of watch the scenery going by. When you get to the first class parlors, they're very deluxe. And, you know, whether there's uh, people playing games of chance or just sitting around and drinking tea or whatever they're doing, it's very, very much rubbing elbows with blue bloods and of the East Coast until you get to the last car, which is usually reserved for, say, royalty or grand governors of you know the provinces and, and states of the New World. This one has been taken out of commission. It looks almost like a lounge. It's like, you know, it, there's like chairs and like seats and whatever else. Like, it's, it's not like you rammed them in there like, you know, like an airplane of today. Like there was, it's just a more deluxe way of traveling. A lot of room to move around. So the vault, you don't know much about it. All you know is that the, the royalty cat car, the last one before the caboose, has been converted. And there is this stateroom here, the parlor. So that has been converted. And you don't really have the specs on that, but you've been told that maybe one of you, one of you was able to do some surveillance on it. Except for what we see in the stateroom, as far as we know, is basically as it appears here. We just, we just believe the stateroom has been significantly modified and there's something else there, presumably the vault. Yes. Reconnaissance for, like, guards and whatnot. You were able to find a couple things. In the first-class parlor car, which is the car closer to the engine on the other side of this royalty deluxe uh, one, it's still super first-class, like, deluxe, there is a guard that you, you were able to kind of figure out that he's undercover, and he's doing a great job, but, you know, you're on to him. So you know that there's going to be a guard on that. Then you know that there is a guard on each end on the outside platforms of the uh, royalty converted uh, vault car. So they're, they're look, doing lookout. 
Then there's a couple guards on each side, and there's also a guard who patrols. So they kind of walk back to front. And then there's a couple more in the caboose, just, you know, for whatever. They're, they're off duty or, or you're not sure. You weren't able to get a, a ton of info on that. But you do know that they're there. And sometimes they'll be out, you know, doing whatever they do. Usually a member of this crew is a automaton. So it's usually a humanoid size. And whether they have them in for muscle or for whatever else, they're usually all humans or you know, demi-humans, but generally humans, and on the crew, they have one RoboCop type guy. Was there any other information that you uh, that you learned about this or not? The guard captain in the vault there, he's going to have a key to the vault. Thratty, the uh, driver, you know, he's the fifth member of your crew. You guys work with him probably on about half your jobs, and he, you know, he kind of uh, goes and asks, How tough do they seem? Are they, uh, are they well-trained? Are they uh, veterans, or what are they? They definitely seem very experienced and just very very well equipped and they see they seem to know what they're doing they seem to be veterans well then we, you guys better be uh, on your top-notch game all i need to do is drive <laughs> so we kind of got the map now we have the potentially a little bit of surveillance coming in maybe the next thing to go and do would be to talk about the vault what can our engineer tell us about the vault so glint was able to get a little bit of information about this matter. First and foremost, that guard captain that we've heard a little bit about, he happens to have a scroll of anti-magic field, and he'll basically be casting it just as the train leaves the station, which is going to cause a slight problem, I think. We know the vault door is three inches thick, locked with both a physical and in arcane lock and the outside window has been replaced with reinforced glass with iron bars inside the vault is a century 6000 automaton but unfortunately i have the specs on an older model so we'll have to make do with that moving on to dorg what do we have from him i've been uh, having my ear low to the ground i got some info but i'm not sure if it's pertinent or valuable did you happen to find any plans for the robot or anything? I don't know if Dorg would tell them about it. <laughs> okay. Dorg pulling this crap again. I thought after the last job you learned. Spit it out there, boy. Come on, laddie. We won't really know what its value is until you tell until you tell us. Yeah, I feel like I've been I've been uh, put into a corner here. I don't know if I'd even bring it up. At least did you did you pick up the tickets for us? You had one job. Can you do that much? Yeah, I had the tickets. <laughs> I just throw them on the table. There they are. Dorg being difficult as always. <laughs> I don't know if Michael wants to reveal that as we get closer into the game. He, perhaps he has some information about the Automaton 6000 that's escaped our engineer gnome who only has outdated specs for the uh, 5000 model. See, the 6,000 is hot off the line. What information do we have from the from the 5,000? These are well known. Like, anyone who's ever been anywhere around the war, they know that they're, you know, big, tough, punching robots. But it's just kind of tough to know exactly, you know, what modifications and stuff this new model might have. Just, just for the sake of us players knowing, what would we know about the 5,000? Make a knowledge check. You know what? These things are half magic anyway. Why don't you just go with a straight-up arcana check, okay? I rolled a 15 for my for my arcana check. Okay, like that's a that's an adequate. So like, you know, your frustration with not having the plans along with, you know, you just knowing enough by hearing about these things and, you know, just 
you know, if, if someone's talking technology, you're listening. So are they sitting there discussing this? Is uh, Caleb and Glint, and I'm watching this. Hmm. I'm starting to see an angle to make money off of this now. All right. Because I see a need, and they're not. They're supposed to be the smart guys figuring things out. Yeah, you're just the dumb punching guy. Yeah, but I'm greedy. <laughs> so I'm gonna tell them about the five thousand, unless you want to jump in. So I'm gonna speak up. I was like, I, I think I know a guy, but I don't have enough money. I know a guy that can get me the plans. I just don't have enough money. It's gonna be about two thousand. Well, it's unfortunate that we're getting paid nothing for this job, drug. So, I guess we're out of luck. So let's learn about the five. <laughs> okay. The uh, the good news is uh, that Patty knows, and he hasn't told anybody because, of course, oh. you guys are all <laughs> rogues at hearts. Is that you were given five thousand um, dollars prep walking around? We'll just call them uh, pounds because you know they're 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 silver sterling or whatever. But everyone just calls them pounds, and we'll treat them like gold pieces. Okay. You got five thousand banknotes just sitting there, and you haven't told anyone. So we have been on a team before, yes. Yes, and you know this isn't a shock. <laughs> okay, so this is this is classic Dorg the bounty hunter. I want to roll an insight check for <laughs> to know if he's telling us the truth. Oh yeah, let's roll it off. So we start out with uh, with Patty. I got an eighteen for my insight check. You're not the best guy reading people, but you know you 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 know Dorg enough. They you got a pretty good read on him, but. You never know if Dorg's playing stupid or if he's being sneaky. And Dorg, what are you going to roll on your uh, deception? I'm going to roll deception. Let's see. Come on, twenty. <laughs> oh dang. Oh man, <laughs> that one. <laughs> oh no. So Dorg rolls a four, but it's a nat one. And Dorg, let I'm me play afraid it. You're going to give up the goods here. Let me let me play it. <laughs> Patty, out of nowhere. <laughs> is able to go and finally get a read on you and you know knows that this trick of yours every time when he goes and hands a bunch of the gold to you for information you already have he's like you know i think you can pretty much call him on him uh, i know exactly what patty wants to do so patty has sensed that dorg is up to his old tricks and so he will say to dorg all right dorg you, you need money eh to uh get this information well it just so happens that we were able to secure some money for these very tasks. Just give me a second. I've got to go count it out. I want to leave the room. I want to fill a bag with stones with a little money bag, and I want to come back in, and I want to try to deceive Dorg <laughs> into thinking that I'm giving him 2,000 gold. Okay. Uh, uh, why don't you roll your deception now? <laughs> I, don't, I think I would trust him, though. This is great. You guys aren't lawful good paladins here. I mean, come on. <laughs> Who are we All kidding? Right, so I got a 16 and I... Oh, aha. And I get a plus four for that. Nice. So that is a 20. Come on, Dorg. All right, let me so see. So, Dorg, In Dorg how, how good are you at, at weighing bags <laughs> of rocks? And uh. also looking, reading his face. So you can probably do... Would you go and have him do a perception when he holds it? Or he probably would trust it because it's the right weight. So why don't you go and roll an insight to see if you can figure out what Pat if Patty is tricking you or not? Because you're kind of oh, tilting your head a bit. You go and give him a good up and down, which doesn't take much because he's so low to the ground. You know you have a pretty good feeling that that's your money, and you know it'd be rude to count it in front of your friends. So you uh, grab the bag and you know throw it on the back of your uh, of your belt. And I'll say 
I'll be right back. I run out, walk around the block a couple of times, and come right back. And pull out, my source has these plans, and hand them over. The specs materialize of the 6000 model, fresh off the press. Nobody has these, these things just came out. As he puts that down, I would like to say, I'd like to look at Dorg and just be like, I hope they've enjoyed those rocks as payment, and I will open up the specs. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I probably won't get any. Yeah. I start lying again about something else. <laughs> he just trails off into one of his many lies of the night. Classic dark. Hey, I got the plans. And some rocks. I'll read the specs. The Century 6000 by Ada Works is very deadly state-of-the-art killing machine. It is set to kill anything that goes into the vault because it has a 30-foot blind sense killing range. You need to stay 10 feet away from this thing. The uh, right and left arms can kill you with a single punch. It has a shoulder gun that will shoot to kill anything that enters the vault. It's not mobile though, so it's gonna be stationary in the vault. If we can get to the control box though, we can turn it on and off. Do we know where the control box will be? The control box, um, as you know from the specs, is very small. It's about the size of like, uh, you know, like a, a modern key remote that we have on our cars today. If I look at the specs I have for the 5000, does it give me any indication to the range or strength or something of this little control panel, I guess? Well, there's two things you've, you, you've learned now. Much like today's technology, the big difference between the 5000 and the 6000 is that it's the 6000 and that's what it says on the box. But <laughs> there's been some incremental improvements for the extra price tag. It's moved from 25 to 30 feet of being able to see when it's scanning. And the punching is more deadly. And the shoulder gun has gone from not one, it's gone from a single to a double barrel on that shoulder. Twice the kill. But, uh, you know, AdaWorks is known for uh, being really good at marketing. They make, they make the prettiest killing machines out there. Uh, Patty's going to turn to Glint and just say, So just let me get this straight. The entire time, as soon as this train leaves the station, the stateroom, where the vault is, and this giant automaton will have an anti-magic field around it. Unless we do something to stop its activation, yes. So sneaking in with some invisibility spells is not going to work. Probably not. So what's the plan, boys? How are we getting in here? Obviously, once we get up to the stateroom, we're sending Dorgan. But beyond that, what else is the plan to break into this stateroom in this vault? I had a thought about this anti-magic field, as it's a scroll on the captain. Is there any chance we might be able to replace the scroll with something else? Ah, perhaps a scroll that will uh, cause him to set a blaze or something? Well, if he's going to do it right from the outgo, maybe just something that he thinks has activated defenses, but has really done nothing at all. I'm sorry, do we know if anyone besides him is capable of using the scroll or if, he, or if he's probably the only one in the, in the of the guards that's capable of, of using this scroll. This scroll could be read by anybody, but, you know, he's the big boss. He's got the key ring. So maybe if we try to sneak onto the train, or some of us who might be better at confounding and confusing people face-to-face. -face. What, what seats are those tickets for? What are those seats for? You got us. You got us ones for the deluxe or the first class. I hope. 
Yeah, I did. First class. Your job was to get first class tickets, and you're really trying hard to make it seem like you were able to do your job. But unfortunately, <laughs> you have four twi- tickets that are only for Deluxe Coach, which is a long way from where you have to go. So just to paint the picture for everybody, if this train has an engine, then one, two, three, four, five, six, seven cars, you guys have to travel all the way from the three cars in. So you're in the middle of the train. I'll pick up the tickets and just say, well, let's see these first class tickets. And then I'll slam my fist on the table. (laughs) Dorg, come on. Deluxe. Give me back the rocks. You don't even deserve those. (laughs) Deluxe. Isn't that better than first class? (laughs) (laughs) You had one job Deluxe I didn't have a map Can't believe that I I came (laughs) to save you boys Well maybe we can uh, With some clever work Maybe we can make these do Can I uh, make an attempt to Take these tickets And from them Do a forgery Of four First class parlor tickets Yes but it is a full train so you can have the tickets but But i have to get rid of four people yes (laughs) murder no (laughs) (laughs) well not necessarily but so let's go and write that down i'm going to write that down that you guys want to go so you can go and make them first class you can do that or you can beat up people and get first class you can do whatever you want but you need to get four first class people out (laughs) and specifically first class in the second car if possible yeah, the, the royalty car is gone. So the first class parlor, either one of them would be probably good because you can travel between the two. What you need to do is you need to get a first class ticket, but nobody's allowed on the royalty. It's closed off. It's a money train. Which of us, if any of us, would know from our previous assignments who we might be able to find to get access to that has these tickets that we can either bribe or intimidate or just somehow prevent them from getting on the train? You have two contacts, and I'm going to go and, you know, Patty hasn't been around a lot, but the other two of you have been quite busy. The gnomes are industrious people, of course. So I'm going to go and say that Billy has been able to go and find out that one of the guards, and this is related to this and other information. This is just information you know. You know that one of the guards owes a ton of money to a bookie. Given I've spent a lot of time working on the rails... Can I see if I can find a contact who might know about a manifest for the train? Gorn, fellow engineer on the rail lines. He's managed to keep all of his fingers. I don't know why. You are old buddies. You guys went to gnome blowing up your hand school. And uh, you guys, you guys, you guys, yeah. So you can go and get him. He can get you the manifest, you know, arcane uh, wired over to you. How much do we know how much a first class ticket cost? Obviously, they're all sold out. Yes, you know, you're able to go and find that out because you gave the money to Dorg to buy them. <laughs> Not so how you, much money did we give to Dorg? <laughs> you know that they're, you know that those tickets are 500 gold pieces each. <laughs> okay. Five, or 500 yeah. each, not gold pieces, whatever you know what I mean. Wow, that's a lot. Pounds, yeah, they're pretty expensive. Dorg, if you weren't able to get the first class tickets, what happened with the extra money? Extra? <laughs> that's what I thought. <laughs> The, de- the cost of a deluxe ticket is 100. <laughs> They're deluxe. So basically there's 1,600 pounds of pounds sterling or whatever that's just <laughs> up in around. the air. 
Off to the ether, yes. Bookies, payoffs, who knows. Alright, so so this bookie gets us the manifest. Gorn, he'll get us a manifest. Maybe we can find some of these guys local. Maybe they part with their tickets. I'm not so good at the talking to people part of this. I, uh, my skills lie You can way. just leave that to me. I, I'm, I can take care of that just fine. Alright, so we're going to find the manifest... We're going to secure ourselves a couple of first-class tickets. I'll be fine without one if we don't. If we can't get enough. I can make my way back from Deluxe, all the way back from Deluxe, to first-class, to royalty, if I need to. However, <laughs> we need a couple at the very least for those of us who can't cast Invisibility. And really, as long as we can get four people from first-class, from the first-class parlor to not get on the train, I'm, I'm pretty confident that I can make these tickets do, do, do for us to, to get on the first, the first class parlor. I can for sure put some of these guards to sleep once we get to them. This brings up the question again of the scroll. Aye. Any way to cancel that out, or do we just try to replace the scroll in the first case? If you want to go and, you know, swap out his awesome level 8 spell with a, I don't know, whatever you want to go and do, sleep or something... Prestigitation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Prestigitation. You know, something, uh, whatever, silence, even better. <laughs> whatever you want to go with some cantrip. Yeah, you guys can totally go and do that. I offered you guys some information about one of the guards who you know. Um, he knows that one of the guards is a weak link because he, you know, kind of followed him out. He looked like a nervous sort. Wasn't quite as, uh, didn't look quite the battle-hardened veteran of the rest of them. So, you know, you could go and look him up if you need to as well. His name is Nathaniel Owatun. You know the captain's name. You were able to go and do a little uh, information finding on him. And you know the captain's name is Cuthbert Cattell. This automaton, it's not mobile. Is it like bolted down or something? It's not bolted down. Let's just say it has a move of 5 instead of 30. It's not immobile. It's just not very mobile. I think our best course of action is to get rid of this anti-magic field. I think I should be able to control enough explosives to get us into the doors without raising too much alarm. But I agree. I think our first step should be to maybe replace that scroll with a close fake. So we replace the scroll. If we can find, like, if this captain is a drinker or if he goes out on parties the night before or whatever, if we can even just ah. swap. Like, I can, I can make a fake scroll that's not even really a scroll. And I'm pretty sure that I can probably forge that in a convincing way. What Billy does know is that this guy is no magic user. He's, you know, a veteran of the wars. He went off on the expeditions with the uh, Hudson's Bay Company up in the north, you know, on, on fur, in the fur wars with uh, the Russians. He was, you know, he's been a busy guy. By the way, this isn't real history. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what you're telling me is I'm pretty sure that it wouldn't be too hard to fool this guy as far as the, as far as the scroll goes. Yeah, I think this is a good plan. So right now we're going to see Glint's contact Gorn. We want to manifest. I think Caleb's idea of he can go and try and trick the captain, maybe with going out to a pub and tricking him in a night and switching the scroll, and that'll be switched, hopefully getting first-class tickets. These are three points that we want to do, yes? Yeah. Do we want to do something about that guard that maybe he can help us from the inside? Well, what you do know is uh, he owes not a huge amount, but a huge amount for him with his paltry salary being a junior guard. He owes 500 in gambling debts to a bookie 
named Horatio Humphreys. I'm going to assume that, yeah, he's a pretty big wheel, and you guys you guys know people around this area of town, just that, that bottom of Manhattan kind of area, b- between Battery Park and Greenwich. You know, you would know of this guy. You could either imp- impersonate him, you could go and bring him to him, you could pay him off and go and say, you, you can do anything you want, but you can go and connect the two of them, yes. If, if we buy his debt, maybe we can convince him that uh, leaving doors open or helping us get the little control panel might be a good idea in exchange for the money he previously owed. Yeah, getting that control panel would be really great if he could do if he could have us do that. I would say good. we buy his debt and while Willie is out switching the scrolls, we can go and kind of introduce him to his new debtor and who he owes money to and Dorg of course can show a little bit of strong-handedness. Uh, so that he can see that we're serious. And what are we doing about first-class tickets, then? Are we going to threaten our way in? So, again, if the magic field is down, and we're going to be able to successfully disable the automaton, then we can have me being possibly impersonating our guard and just tell him not to go into work to that day, and then we can have two other people just be invisible, and that should be pretty workable. Okay, so let's do two scenes. Nathaniel Owatun, like many of the guards, he's known for hanging out in one of the pubs in the area. You know, they after a, a good couple of train rides between the two cities, they like to, uh, you know, spend most of their salary on some, uh, you know, good ale. You are able to go and find him in the, uh, the Dragon's Tooth <laughs> pub. So you walk in and uh, you have a pretty good idea what he looks like. Who's going to be here on this one? It's gonna- Patty and Dorg will go since... I think Willie's planning on going to see the captain and Glint is going to see Gorn is what I was understanding. So Billy told you to look out for a young man in a uh, guard's uniform. He's probably be nervous and biting his fingernails because he's pretty nervous about this debt. And you went to see Horatio because he's a businessman and he easily handed it over. Happy to be paid <laughs> easiest money he made that night. You walk into the Dragon's Tooth pub and sitting in the corner nursing a... Uh, beer that's still mostly full sitting by himself is a young man that you believe is Nathaniel Owatun. He's kind of, uh, you know, got a couple tables around him that are empty. It's not the most full place this time of evening. It's getting a little getting a little long in the, in the shadows. Before we approach the table, I'm going to look at Dorg and I'm going to say, Dorg, look strong, look mean, basically be you. Huh. Uh, and... I'm gonna, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna go and grab a seat next to Nathaniel. Okay, you know that he likes to bet on the rounders. He's a big fan of the Cincinnati Reds. Okay, <laughs> I forgot it's real world. <laughs> so he's he's sitting at a booth alone. You said right? Yes. A yeah. booth. Cincinnati Reds. I'm gonna get yeah. super close. And I'll sit across from him, and I'm not gonna say anything. I'm gonna wait for him to speak. So you just sit down right in front of this nervous guy. And I sit right beside him, my arm around him. Hey, buddy. Oh, man. Um, I, I, I'm good for the money. I, I, I can get it tomorrow. I just, uh, you know, I, I don't have it tonight. I, I thought somebody might be coming to visit me here. Uh, um, are, are you, Horatio sent you, right? Is he drinking anything? He's got a, like a, he's got a nail in front of him. Yeah, he's drinking, a, you know, a pint of something. I just take it and start to drink it. Oh, yeah, you're, you're free to have it. It's, 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 a, it's, it's, it's good stuff. More than I deserve. I'm going to put my hand out to shake his hand. Nathaniel, I believe? 
Uh, yeah, that, that's, that's what my mother named me. Though she wouldn't be proud tonight. My name is Mr. Shandy. Okay. Please don't kill me. Nathaniel, I hear you owe a little bit of money. Oh man, the Reds, I, I thought they had it in the, this game seven. Well, that was your mistake. Now, me and Mr. Boggs here, we are here to help you out. So you might as well calm down. We're your... And I'll like lean back in the chair and put my hands behind my head. We're your guardian angels, you might say. Oh, jeez, mister. Thanks. It's your lucky day, Nathaniel. Now, who is this chap that you owe money to? Um, well, the, the, he calls himself Horatio, but I don't know much more than that. All right, well, and I'll pop up from the booth. Why don't we go see Mr. Horatio? Mr. Boggs, why don't you help Nathaniel to his feet? Oh, thanks, mister, for helping me up. But, um, <laughs> I, I can just pay you guys tomorrow if you just let me go. No, no, no. Didn't you hear? It's your lucky day. We're oh. your guardian angels. Yeah, you now, make me think you're lucky. You look a bit like a leprechaun. <laughs> My face turns red. <laughs> oh, I didn't uh, but I shake offense. it off. I shake it off. Uh, please don't call me that. <laughs> Will you get up from the booth and lead the way? Uh, Mr. Boggs, to, to, help yeah, okay. our man to his it's feet. right out here. <laughs> so I'm picking him up, squeezing him. Oh, man. My mom said there'd be days like this. <laughs> so you guys bring him out to the alley to soften him up? I want him to lead the way to the guy who who he owes money to. Okay, yeah. So he just starts walking to, like, you know, you guys were just there. He starts walking towards Horatio's. So you walk in. You know, Horatio is a wee fella. One of the rare sight in the city, a, a halfling. They usually uh, like to hide out in the uh, prairies, running their farms and stuff. He goes and looks at you and he goes and says, Well, what are you guys doing back? Ah, Mr. Horatio. I'll put my hand out to shake his hand. Mr. Shandy. And this here is my associate, Mr. Boggs. Oh, hello. This is the first time we've met. Ah, How wonderful. It is, and hopefully not the last. And I'll give him a little wink and I'll say, So I hear our boy, Nathaniel here, owes you a wee bit of money. Oh, yeah. He's, uh, he's a real trouble. Um, yeah, he really he really blew it. He thought that the, he thought that the Reds had it. Mm, and how much does he owe exactly? Much. He's in for a lot. Uh, he could be working for years. 500. 500? Uh, has that gone up since he hasn't paid for a while, perhaps? Well, yeah, you, you know, he, uh, he, he, he lost a week ago. It was, so it's, it was 250 then. Ah, oh, and so it's gone up to 500 now. Oh, so yeah, if he's know. not able to pay off by next week. Oh, it'll be 1,000. Mm. But these, and then he'll run out of fingers. It's it's, it's it'll, it won't oh, take Oh, his fingers! I'll look back at Nathaniel. Your fingers, Nathaniel. Your fingers. You wouldn't want to lose those. Do you have five hundred gold, Nathaniel? I I can I can get it. Oh, I can get, you can get, get blood it. or something. Oh man. Oh, are you sure? Take just ah. take a second. Look at your fingers and answer me again. Do you have five hundred gold? Oh, I've only got ten, man. I need them all for my job. Oh man. I'll turn back to Horatio, the, the halfling, and I'll say, Mr. Horatio, and I will pull out a bag of 600 gold. I'll put it on the table, and I'll say, I would like to pay for Mr. Nathaniel's debt. And I've added a couple extra coins in there to completely get this whole dirty business off of his back. 
well, aren't, aren't you just a just a savior for this young mm, fellow? Yes. We hate for him to lose his job, you know? You can't you can't be a guard with no fingers. That would be awful. No. You know, I'm just a businessman here, and, you know, sometimes your team loses. But you know what? You come back in here, baseball season starts up again in April, and, uh, you know, we can go and get a clean start. I'm sure your, uh, your Cincinnati kids there will do great. So his debt is completely clean? Yeah, he's all good. So we'll see you in the spring. Nathaniel? Why don't you shake the man's hand? Nathaniel, why don't you shake the man's hand with all five, all ten of your fingers, in fact? Oh, what beautiful little digits you have there. <laughs> oh, man, I, I, they're, they're, they're great. I like them. <laughs> Thanks. I, I, I want to keep them. All right, Nathaniel. Well, it's time we be going. So the guy walks away. I, I start to pull a knife out. Oh, man. What's, what's this about? Oh, that's, that's a sharp blade there. I'm just staring at him. Nathaniel, <laughs> let's go talk in the alleyway. Oh, I'm scared. <laughs> All right, so we'll bring Nathaniel to the alley. And so, Dorg, you've got a knife to Nathaniel now? So I just pull it out and kind of... Because I have my, you know, my arm around him. Like he's my pal. Then I have a knife out, just kind of flicking it around. <laughs> yeah. So we'll, we'll go out to the alley, and Dorg is doing exactly perfect to what we need him to be doing right now and i'll kind of be pacing back and forth in front of nathaniel and dorg and i'll say well wasn't it nice that we could help you out here tonight oh you're you're real swell swell friends yeah just i don't know you guys kind of scare me though so did you see how much gold i gave to the man yeah that, that's a lot that, uh, I, I, that's that's a lot of money 600 gold so by my count you are 600 gold in debt to me now isn't that right, Mr. Boggs? Oh, that, that's even worse than before. Yes, and and my interest rate is a bit more steep. Oh. So... He's, like he's swooning. He's, pa- he's about to pass out here. <laughs> Mr. Boggs, can you tell the man, or perhaps uh, show him, what happens to men who don't pay their debts to Mr. Shandy? I just look around. <laughs> I'll put my hand out. I'll put my hand out, and I'll... N- looking at the knife, and I'll say... No blood, Mr. Boggs. Oh, okay. <laughs> I uh, put the knife away. Put the knife away and just just right into the ribs. Boom. Oh, that smarts <laughs> off the bat. <laughs> uh, what's not smart is not paying your debts, Nathaniel. And I'll get right in his face. And I'll grab his collar. And I'll say, now... I hear that you've got a job. Tell me about this job. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I sit on a train and, and, and I hope nothing bad happens. And then I go home, I go home and watch some sports or whatever, you know, on the uh, on the steam TV. <laughs> <laughs> the steam, the HD steam TV. <laughs> yeah. So I'll, I'll pull him close and I'll say, Nathaniel, do they have your name? Do they know exactly who you are? How easy would it be? For a man to impersonate you on this train as a guard. Oh, you just need the badge. They don't really... We all look the same. Where is the badge, Nathaniel? It's, it's, it's right here. I gotta keep it on me at all times. Is there a uniform? I'm, I'm wearing it. See? Ah, this is the uniform. Yeah. It's, uh, I keep it in good mis- shape. My, the captain's a real stickler for... for <laughs> Mr. The Boggs. captain's a stickler. Pull out that knife again. Oh, the, 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 don't <laughs> get any blood on it. The captain's a real stickler for things being all neat and tiny. Nathaniel, shut up. Oh, oh man, but the captain... Shh. Nathaniel, shut up. Okay. Strip. I'm shutting up. I'm shutting Take up. Take the uniform off. Oh, man, it's cold out. 
Okay, you know what? And he looks at you and he's like, that, that's okay, cold's good. He, he strips down super quick. All right, take it, Mr. Boggs. I neatly fold it up. It's not really going to fit Mr. Boggs, but yeah. It, it, yeah, it I, a... I figured it wouldn't, but he's, he's a bit too strong for it to fit into this. Yeah. This guy doesn't sound like the most muscular guy. No, no. He's probably like, you know, the boss's son's cousin's aunt or something, or sister kid, you know, whatever. Yeah. So I'll, I'll say, you're not going to show up for your appointment for your job tomorrow. I'll make sure that it's covered. No, no, I, I felt like I got a scratch right here. <clears throat> I can, yeah, I, it's coming in now with a tickle. Yes, you're uh, feeling smart. quite ill. But you're not going to call in sick, Nathaniel. No, you're not no, going to call no, in sick. You're going to rest up. You're going to take a vacation. You're going to go a couple towns over for a week or two. But you're not going to take the train. Uh, like, 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 I could go, I'll take a trip to Philadelphia. Now, <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> oh, no, wait, wait. <laughs> I'll, I'll go visit my sister you up could in bet Albany. On, you could bet on the Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go visit my sister up upstate. Up, 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 up province, whatever it is. Listen here, Nathaniel. Do you know anything about a control box? And I suggest, before you answer, you take a look at that knife that Mr. Boggs is holding in his fist. Oh, I don't even like the captain. He's always getting on me because my shoes aren't shine. No, he's always got it on him. He's a real jerk. So you know nothing about a control box, you're saying? Yeah, it's in his pocket. He's always, like, keeps, he keeps his hand right mm. on it. He's so afraid of losing it. It's like he thinks some big jack-in-the-box is going to kill everybody or something. I look at Dorg with a, like, meaningful look like because we are aware that William is going to meet the captain, so this would be very good information for him to have. Yeah. And so I'll, I'll look back and I'll be like, all right, Nathaniel, anything else you want to tell us about the train? It's, it's really nice. <laughs> it's really <laughs> fancy. I like the chandeliers. I kind of look at when the light hits. Oh, you all right, up shut up, hand. Nathaniel. Shut up. Go oh, take man. that vacation. Mr. Boggs, give him one or two more to remember us by. This, he's on the ground. Sorry. He's kind of sitting in his underwear on the ground right now in the dirtied up. Yeah, I'm just uh, doing two kicks. To the, the same spot I punched. All right, you got to be careful because all seven of his hit points are going to get taken out. Don't <laughs> <laughs> kick him lightly. <laughs> heel check, heel check. <laughs> so we'll make sure he runs away. And if we can, we'll try to meet up with Willie before he meets the captain. Yeah, let's go visit Gorn. Or I guess I go visit Gorn. Sure. So where is Gorn? Where do you find him? He's uh, you know, in his house. He's out at a pub. No, I would say he probably works late at the uh, at the train station. He's he's that kind of guy. Okay. Yeah. So you 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 know you know where he's going to be. He's going to be in his office up in the uh, you know the second floor of the building overlooking the uh, downtown train station. You know he's got a little banker light lit up. You go up the stairs and knock on the door. Gorn, you in there? Yeah, I'm in there. I'm working away. What's up? It's Glint. Remember me? Greg, how's it going? Long, long time no see. I haven't seen you in a couple weeks. What's up? A couple weeks? I've been out longer than that, haven't I? Oh, man. You know, time just time just goes, flies by. You know how it is. I'm a busy guy. How about you? I'm super busy. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I need your help, Gorn. Well, you, that's usually why you come here. I'm happy to give a favor. You know, you've got me out of more than one pinch or, or three. Well, first things first, uh, there's a train heading out to Philadelphia in a couple of days. I need the manifest. Uh, you talking about the nine o'clock tomorrow? That's not a couple of days. That's that's a couple, of, you know, a few hours from now. It's good. What is it? I, I've been up yeah. for a few days. Time's <laughs> starting to blur together. 
Yeah, well, you know, he, gotta, he, gotta... he just kind of trails off. He starts looking at his uh, books again. Look, look, I, ju- I just need the manifest. Nothing, n- nothing that's going to come back on you. Oh, no, no, no problem. It's right here. And he just kind of slides it over. I, I don't even know. It. So how are your things going? And he's like, as he's sliding to you, he's kind of like talking about something else. Kind of like your unwritten uh, rule. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Thing, things are good. Uh, new mechanical finger. Working out not badly. The weather's really great in Philadelphia right now as he ha- as he slides it to you. Yeah, Philadelphia, Philadelphia tends to do well. Not so great up here in New York right now, but, you know, hopefully it'll get better. So, uh, haven't, haven't seen you for a while. You guys were, uh, laying low. I, uh... I heard uh, a couple of things, a uh, job didn't go so well, maybe. Well, hopefully this will be the last one, at least for a while. I wouldn't mind getting back to the rail business. Oh, that, that'd be great, yeah. The, uh, you know, we, we, it's always nice to work in what you went to school for, right? Yeah, explosives. They, uh, they're quite a lesson learner. Yeah, well, you know, sometimes the guys like us need to, uh, you know, work on all the paperwork. And then there's, you know, guys like you out there and they're going and, you know, blowing up the mountains, making more uh, stuff for me to worry about <laughs> gotta get that's those trains true. on those through those mountains or i can't go and uh, you know move the papers and as he goes and does that you see him he folds something up and he goes and puts it into a tube and it goes and goes and gets sucked up to who knows where up a pipe seems business is going pretty well for the rail lines right now oh yeah yeah they're, they're super good right now um you know the, these 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 luxury magnet trains are they're keeping me busy uh, a lot a lot of extra stuff to do i do have one big favor to ask this might be a little on the tougher side but any chance you could get us uh, four first-class tickets for tomorrow's train? I know it's already full, but even just duplicates might do us well. I'll take care of the rest of it. The trains, the trains full up. Um, if you had tickets, I could do a substitution, meaning that you know when when the people come, I can go and uh, tell them that they've been bumped. That you know we'll give them a free ride, whatever else, and we'll, we'll apologize profusely to them. But uh, yeah, that's usually what we go and do when we have a, you know, when we have a bigger VIPs come in, we'll bump the other VIPs. Um, that that we can do. We do have tickets, but they're uh, kind of far up the train. I'm not a big fan of deluxe. I prefer something a little more comfy. Oh, so you want to you want first class? You want to swap deluxe for first class? We can do that. Yeah. What if? Why don't I stop by your office uh, around seven tomorrow morning, and we'll take care of that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Let me see that uh, Philadelphia uh, weather report again. And he goes and grabs the manifest. And he looks down and. You kind of see him uh, put a red dot beside four names. Uh, yeah, these these four, they can uh, we can slide them around. It won't take too much apologizing. Sounds good. Uh, I'll see you tomorrow morning, and as always, appreciate it. And I'll leave a little uh, leave a little fifty pound note. That's that's a great help. Uh, yeah, uh, always always a pleasure to talk with a friend about the weather, and uh, good to see ya. Um, I'll see you in the morning. Stay alive. And you, uh, you know, he goes, uh, he doesn't even look at you as you go out. He's right back on his papers again. You see another, you hear, uh, as you turn your back, you hear another thing sucked up a tube. I'll go back and meet with the rest of the team. And the guard captain, Cuthbert Cattell. Were we able to match up to him before his time of meeting up with the guard captain? That's really up to you guys. I mean, I don't see why not. I mean, you guys could have already planned to, you know, have him kind of wait and see what goes on with Nathaniel first, the Owatun bookie. Oh, man, that guy. <laughs> yeah, if that's cool with you, we'll have me and... I want to call him Mr. Boggs now. <laughs> me and Dorg uh, will meet up with him and kind of show him we've got the the uniform and the identification, and we will fill him in that he the captain also has the control panel. Yeah, we can go and say that you, know, you kind of cut up to him. You know, maybe one of you went in and pulled him out because he was kind of lurking in the in the pub. 
Yeah. You know, the captain's kind of more in a gentleman's club. Um, maybe you guys aren't as fancy as you need to be to get in there, but, uh, so you probably left Dorg on the, uh, you know, on the lookout. Probably the fancy if you kind of snuck in there, or maybe you sent, you know, a note to, from somebody, but, you know, he comes out there. And... Can I have sent in my automaton Memphit Cadbury, uh, with a note? You know what? I'm going to go and say that, like, like Harry Potter, owls flying around, like, just these steam Memphits flying around and, and little robot automatons, it's, that's just how people texted back then. So yeah, we'll say. So you know, he just he just sitting there, and, and he goes and gets a uh, he gets a Memphis mail, and uh, you know he kind of unrolls it and looks at it and nods his head, as you know he kind of looks over at the window, seeing you guys peeking in. What I kind of had in mind was if I could just kind of get this guy, in a, kind of on a game of cards or dice, probably cards. Well, he loves he loves the gentleman's game. He loves the ga- good game of billiards. None of that eight balls. Okay, is there some prepared way that I can reliably? control without obviously without being a parent whether he wins or i wins yeah you can just play it out i mean like that's the least of your worries i mean so i need you just to kind of give me the idea of what you want to go and do what i really want to do ideally is i want to just i want to play a few rounds with him preferably betting some money being converse conversant but also kind of getting him pretty heavily into into me having most of his money basically and when I, once i get him to that point what i'd like to do is i probably would have dropped hints about this for a throughout the evening or throughout the series of games but i'd like to make it clear to him that i have a just a personal interest in really anything magical not necessarily anything so advanced as mar- as an art- artifact or anything any sort of advanced technology things like that basically with the idea that hopefully he would possibly put those things on the table at a point where if i can put it if i can put him in a place where he knows that he knows he's going to win regardless of previous things i mean get him in that sort of situation and then and then i and then i would go ahead and let him win but then i would know exactly where he puts those things back and then on the way out i just snag them or swap them right yeah swap them which i probably should roll a couple of forge checks for one for the remote and one for the other i'll go and make you guys a trade if you give me a second twist point i will give you the chance that you were able to go in from a description from uh, nathaniel that you were able to go and get a pretty good forgery of that box, you know, the on-off box for the robot. But that's a pretty expensive. I feel like a Jeff Probes or something from, like, Survivor right now. Yeah, that's fine. We'll do that. So, yeah, so you, in your hand, you have a pretty good uh, one to swap. What what kind of role would you want to go and kind of, you know, work on him? Well, do you want to slide a hand it? Do you want to, like, you know, as you're, I'll, I'll, you know, if you go and butter him up enough, then you go and, like, you know, you can probably earn advantage on that. Or you can even okay. use your prep die on this because you know what's happening, right? Like it's not a spur of the moment. So, I mean, you can really boost this thing. I have something else I'd like to save my prep die that I'm anticipating happening tomorrow. Okay. But I probably will try and get a bardic inspiration die in on this. You don't, you don't need prep die. You brought your own. <laughs> exactly. I think you want to roll a sleight of hand here to get, the, to get that okay. swap happening. Knowing that you guys have some gnomes kicking around, I think that for you to go and manufacture a really good looking forgery basically you had the specs wouldn't be too tough i mean you pretty much have a blueprint of the thing so between your engineer and your artificer yeah i think you guys could figure it out okay <laughs> so you rolled a 20 which is a I very gotta good add a D8 to that so a 24 so you know you spend a little bit of time you, you find a way you know you're a, you're a uh, an older gentleman you've lived on the edge of the wealthy you've never been one yourself but this is a gentleman's club and uh you know sometimes merit over wealth is it's a place where gentlemen can can go you know whether they're wealthy or whether they're just you know a, a professional or someone with a 
you know, a little bit of worldly experience. But, uh, you know, the, you can get invited to one of these places for any reason. Wherever you got your invitation, whether it's legit or not, you've been in here and you've been in here before and moving around this crowd isn't hard. The captain, being a fan of the billiards, is always looking for a player and, you know, you bided your time to kind of play with him and, uh, you know, him seeing you as a, uh, you know, a little bit older than him. You know, he not he's not the youngest guy, but he's in decent shape. You know, he was happy to play a few games and you guys were able to uh, play three games and some chatting. So why don't you give me a, uh, try to sell yourself of is, is what you know you need to be for him. Why don't you give me a deception as well? Okay. All right. That is a 23 in deception, a very good roll. Are you going to bump that up a little bit or not? No, I, I don't think that that particular thing I would have done that with. You know, you're good <laughs> as far as okay. you can tell. Okay. You know, you're feeling pretty confident that he is warming up to you or whatever, and he's kind of patting you on the shoulder when you get a good shot. And, uh, you know, the two of you are talking about old old times. You know, you're talking about how truthful you are. You know, tell him a little bit about your times overseas and everything else. And, you know, him opening up about some of the crazy stuff he saw, you know, up north. Or in, you know, he's actually been uh, to a few uh, campaigns himself. Spending time in the GBU military before, uh, you know, his uh, expeditions to the frozen north. And, you know, at the end of the night, you've been able to uh, swap it without him noticing, as far as you can tell. All right. Whether he has the scroll or not, you never saw anything or any mention of that. He's, uh, you know, a man who is careful with his responsibilities and no reason to talk about something that... He didn't give any hint of the scroll? You know, he's just, he's a careful guy. But a success nonetheless. Getting into the uh, close to closing time, for sure. Anything else you guys want to go and do before you get, you know, your... uh, a little bit of sleep before you have to get onto the train. Well, I guess I should probably tell the party that I have ways to get us of first-class tickets. Yeah, so you guys kind of uh, meet up back in your hideout or whatever. You know, it's a uh, some kind of warehouse that's not really being used for anything that night. And, you know, the, most of the week you had it cleared out. Easy for Otto to, you know, move things around from one place to another. He uses them for various illegal activities throughout the this part of the city. And, uh, yeah, you guys kind of lay it all out and go over the plans one more time and find somewhere to get a few hours of shut-eye. We end this session with the Williams gang having tickets to get on the train and the ability to take the place of one of the guards. Will we find them smoothly traveling down to Philadelphia, or will things go off the rails? Tune into part two of One Last Job to find out.